Everybody and welcome to episode nine of Night and Day podcast. We are your host PJ and Alana. Hello, Alana. I, I hate that goofy Why look you, every time because you got a goofy look on your face. You're like, <laughs> Alana. No, you're not. Anyway, sorry. Uh, yeah. So, speak up this time. Mm-hmm. We busted the balls of the boys on uh, night and day, or not night and day, monkey sword fight, because they kept moving away from the mic. And by we, you mean you. I don't move away from the mic. Okay. But you trail off at the end of your sentences. We heard that. We heard that from some some feedback, which, hey, we appreciate the feedback 100%. Don't Mm -hmm. hesitate. Come up if you see us in public. Say, hey, you guys suck, or hey, you guys are doing awesome. But yeah, feedback. Somebody was like, I'm listening in my car, I'm driving along. Mm-hmm. I think it was Courtney. Um, no, hey. it was somebody else. It was, oh, it was uh, Amy, Amy Grady. Amy, Amy <laughs> says, uh, yeah, I'm driving along, I'm listening, and Alana starts off <laughs> a sentence, and she's telling a story, and by the end of it, I'm leaning into my speaker because she's just too far away from it. She starts to trail off at the end of a sentence. <laughs> I was like, that's awesome. Um, so, um, yes, speak into the mic. Mm-hmm. It is there for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, good. Uh, how's things going? Good. I'm spent. Yeah. Holy moly. A little bit of a rough workout. Oh, before we go there. Oh. Big show. This is a big show. Oh, it is This a big is episode show. nine, but we've been kind of hinting at it all week. Um, we have a special guest on mm-hmm. our podcast tonight. Um, we had the absolute pleasure of uh, interviewing uh, the second fittest man on earth mm-hmm. uh, mr patrick mm-hmm. vellner uh mm-hmm. last night we had a great uh, great chat with patrick for about an hour uh, we're gonna add, we're gonna um add it in uh here in a little bit um we'll, we'll play the interview um you know give us some feedback let us know what you think um we had a lot of fun um yeah, it was good it was, was good, good, good interview uh he's a great guy um mm-hmm. found out a little interesting nugget i'm not gonna i'm not gonna ruin it for you um but towards the end of the conversation uh a little bit of a uh, Halifax connection. Oh right. Um, yeah. But uh, mm-hmm. anyway, you uh, listen uh, listen to his uh, interview and uh, and uh, you'll find out. How was your week? <laughs> Good. Good. Yeah. Yeah. We just uh, we just got back from the gym. Rough <clears throat> workout. Uh, Not even rough. Just one of those ones where uh, every time I'm like, oh, it's kind of a kind of a light day. Not too much. I I don't know. Maybe I didn't read the last part, or I just I don't know. It kicked our ass, <clears throat> let's just be honest. Like, we got in there and, you know, first part was some weightlifting uh, mm-hmm. jerk um, lift. But anyway, yep. three, three, threes, a bunch of those. Um, second part was uh, alternating 45 seconds handstand push-ups and pull-ups. Oh, right. yeah. um, so that kind of taxed everything a little bit, you know, a little bit tired out after that, four rounds of that stuff. Um, but it was really part C that just beat the shit out of us. It mm-hmm. was... Uh, Two rounds for time, 50 wall balls, 35 kettlebell swings, and 20 burpees. Which, um, like, really didn't look like it was going to be. But I guess when you're going yeah. all out, right? Like, which we kind of did. Yeah. Just I was, a tough uh, day. thanks to Rob. Yeah. 
Good old Rob. Good old Rob. Just I can't resist a three, two, one, go. So every time I put down the wall ball and behind me, I could tell he was probably standing there with his arms crossed. He totally was. Okay. Yeah, I, <laughs> I saw could, him. I didn't see him, but I could hear him. I ignored him because right. I was like, three, fuck you. I'm not two, picking it up. One. Too bad. And yeah. I, at one point I was like shaking my head no to myself. And I'm like, oh, yeah. of course I'm going to so I pick it up. Because I'm such a compliant little yes, worker. That, um, sure. But um, that was... I need that though, sure. and uh, yeah. I did happen to maybe get a little edge on you, tiny yeah. bit. Absolutely, mm-hmm. you did. You beat me by uh, over almost a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the last twenty burpees, I just closed my eyes. I didn't look at anybody. I didn't no. look at the clock. I just did twenty burpees straight. All I wanted to do was lay down and cry mm-hmm. and you did. And you got in the fetal position. I got in the fetal when <laughs> I was done. Quickly. I was pretty fucking beat. Um, so yeah. Anyway, um, it was a tough workout. Good. Uh, good. Uh, programming uh but yeah anyway That's here good. we are we'll move on we got an exciting uh, wad coming up this weekend uh on saturday um what's it barbell and brew brews barbell yeah barbells and brews barbells and brews is the wad um and that's leading into um an event that we were going to talk about is our ending on a positive oh yes sorry <laughs> you're just what, the, what does it matter just uh, are you as are you a zombie like, just move on like, like, it doesn't have to be set in stone perfect like let's just off we go who we are you talking it. to right now I don't know. yeah you totally exactly. has like, to be set in no, stone it doesn't, it doesn't have to be thrown off now it does not have to be perfect we can just you know every once in a while we can just shoot the shit and not have it be like Oh my gosh, this part has to come now and that part has well, to come later. Well, according to my bullet points. <laughs> yeah, your fucking bullet points. <laughs> Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, she does have all her bullet points listed out on her iPhone. And if it doesn't follow the, the, the set schedule, Nobody is surprised right now. Nobody. Fucked. But yeah, so bar, bar, bruise and bar, barbells, barbells and bruise. Barbells and bruise. And um, then after that, over to Off Track Brewery for... Yes. I think it's at, starts at 7.30. Um, Tony Trimper, his band, Callahan, mm-hmm. is playing. I think Tony's doing some solo stuff to start off at 7.30. Um, but yeah, if anyone's in the area, stop yeah. by Off Track Brewery off of uh, Rocky Lake. Yeah. Drive. Great place. Drive. If you haven't stopped by yet, what oh. the fuck are you waiting for? Like, it's awesome. Yeah. Great little brewery. Um, they have ciders, too, ciders, for anyone yeah. who's... You they know, don't make ciders, but they bring no. in a... a a chain guest yard. cider. Um, they always have chain yard. I'm pretty. Oh no, I they did it the cans. last time. I think they have cans, but they, they typically bring in and they'll, they'll bring in a couple of taps that are um, from other breweries. Sort of, they'll host a, a brew for a week or two or they something. They had that like sour that. beer. From, yeah, there's a, was Sackville it a Dartmouth one. Sackville. Yep. So, yeah, like uh, stop by. Great spot. Great little place. If you haven't checked it out, it's literally. The unfortunate thing is it's on the back side of the building as or Osprey the, Athletics, or the which is our gym. Thing. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, but sucks when you're kind of doing a run around the building and you see all the people sitting at the, da- at the on the patio mm-hmm. um, drinking beers and you're busting your ass running around the building. The guy who was signed up for 530 who pulled out and is now sitting there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Having a drink. Yeah. Shout out to Jordan. Uh, Jordan texted a- Andrew at the end of the class and said, I'm over at off track. Oh, was that tonight? <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> so, funny. Had a boy, Jordan. Um, Cool. Um, anything else come up this week? What else um, has been going on? Oh God, I don't know. Just again, like I was talking to Kate at the gym, like things are so busy. Like this mm. first part of September has been bonkers just for everybody. Um, she's a teacher too. So that yeah. must be, you know, even Crazy. more difficult to get back into. But 
I don't know, the family stuff and the work stuff and the hockey stuff. Like, I had a little, I had a moment, <laughs> a little bit of a moment the other yes. day. Went to, um, and I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm pretty, like, I can, I can have a lot of balls in the air and still keep it all together. Yes, but obviously, I've pushed, <laughs> something has taken a place of a, an important part of my brain and I tried to call Swiss Chalet to order in a work lunch using the calculator app on my phone. <laughs> and, and we have picture, we have picture evidence of that. I will post that picture up oh on our God. Facebook page just so you can see the, uh, the, the hilarity One, that eight, happened. Six, six. I got through the whole thing too, before I even noticed and I typed it and I looked down and I'm like, what? Oh, <laughs> the calculator, we should all be a little afraid. Yes. Because uh, I, I, I pretty much run this house, so we should all be a little afraid of what's going to happen totally. next. But anywho, that was kind of funny. Yeah. I'm sure lots of people can relate to that. Kate was saying she doesn't know how many things that she's like put in her freezer that do not go in her freezer. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a busy couple of weeks for sure. Um, and yeah, it's yeah, everybody's got a ton of stuff on the go. And, busy but fun busy. Oh, yeah. Like it hasn't been super stressful busy, just... You know, just a lot. lot of different yeah. moving pieces, but yeah. um, still good. Weather is amazing. Yeah, it's been really good. Oh, my Lord. No complaints. Well, up here. It's too bad for the people who are down. Yeah, Florida. And dealing Carolinas with, and stuff. Yeah, Florida? With, Did it hit Florida? Uh, I think it was It was potentially going to land into Florida. Anywho. But anyway, a hurricane. Uh, Florence, I think it is. Yeah. It's always a scary time of year, but this one they were like saying how crazy um, destructive. Anywho. Yeah. Um, but I think it's changed past, so it's not coming up this way. So family good. and friends is down in Florida. Uh, if you do get hit by it, lock yourselves in. I really don't think it's going to Florida. No, maybe it's not. <laughs> but, so, but shout out to Florida That's anyway. Right. Hey, Florida. Take care of yourselves. <laughs> oh, my God. We're a wreck. Yeah, we're tired. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how that's going to translate. In this this okay. could be the best podcast we've I'm ever done. Totally. People are going to be like, you no, guys are hilarious. So. Uh, <laughs> are you looking at my I'm looking at yours. My note. Yeah, of, I, I, got, I got shit. I got, I got the what the hell is wrong with people coming yeah. up. But, well, um, it's all about Velner. Yeah. So It's all about um, Velner. Speaking of which, let's, uh, yeah. let's, let's lead everybody into that. So, again, just uh, we had a... We had an awesome interview last night with uh, Patrick Vellner. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, CrossFit Games athlete um, for the last three years, uh, he has finished mm -hmm. on the podium. Um, mm -hmm. A third, a third, and a second. Mm -hmm. um, pretty impressive. Um, you know, this is this was his only his fourth year as a competitor, and I'm not going to give you too much because I obviously talk about that in the interview, um, but pretty amazing um you know yeah. to be there only one of those ones that ago. kind of flies in it like nobody really totally. you know like there's so much hype around all the other people i and i think for some people like you and i've been fans for a bit like yeah. you know he's kind of one of our favorites to watch um maybe but er, your I mean, favorite <sighs> well, oh did you everybody hear that sigh <laughs> that was probably the loudest she's ever <laughs> sort of made into the microphone that's pretty impressive i mean if you like that super cute smart AF thing. There you go. You know. Awesome. I'm not super cute, smart, fit AF. No. Well, yeah. I married <laughs> you. I just oh, have I a see. crush on Velma. Oh, okay. There you go, Pat. Yeah. If you're, you know, need a lady, mine's free. And I, what? I'm kidding. <laughs> and I also have a soft spot for redheads. So that's true. That doesn't that doesn't hurt. But no, he's just fun to watch. 
good guy. Totally. Like, I mean, and most of them seem like that anyways, but there's just something about he walks. Uh, yeah, he's absolutely. sometimes disheveled. I love yeah. a disheveled person. Yeah. Like, you know. And he's just got a really cool demeanor with, uh, you know, with the other guys. Him and Matt Frazier and, and Brent Fikowski in particular. Mm. When you see the three of them on the floor, um, you know, he talked a little bit about the marathon. And, you know, they're, they're just hamming it up. They're, you know, making yeah. fun of things and laughing about things. and Sense of humor, you know, too. Just re- really interesting. He gave us a really funny story about Margot Alvarez, too. So we, uh, for anybody who hasn't listened, go back and listen to episode uh, seven. Um, Margot Alvarez was a CrossFit Games athlete as well. Tells a great little story about her. Um, so uh, give it a listen. It's, it's a lot of was fun. Was she seven so. or eight? She was seven. And then we did eight in so between? Eight. Yeah. Eight was ROI, return on investment. Okay. Yeah. Where I'm you... sure I could Google this somewhere. Yeah. Or <laughs> you could actually follow our podcast. Do I... No, I don't think I do follow it. Probably I not. Think you, I think you... you whatever you do to them I put it on my phone I subscribe right it did show up and yes it shows up every (laughs) week on your phone I I was there like I'm here now gotcha um saying the words so I I don't need to listen to the words after oh I think you should though Mm, I think it's a good idea maybe because it gives you a little bit of oh I should I kind of sound stupid I think we've had this conversation before well, why would you go no, no, automatically just, to that room? No, I know. I don't mean that you said <laughs> All stupid. right. Introduce um, the Belner quote, yes. would you? Anyway, uh, without further ado, as I said last time, um, here we are, uh, interview with Patrick Vellner. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, well, welcome to uh, Patrick Vellner, our guest today. He's a four-time CrossFit Games competitor, uh, once as a team uh, and three as an individual. Um, all three years as an individual, Patrick's finished On the podium. Uh, Obviously, in 2018, this just past recent uh, games, he finished second uh, as the fittest man on earth uh, to uh, a guy we like to call Matt Fraser. Uh, (laughs) He's going to be a tough guy to beat over the next few years, but but certainly uh, you've given him a good run for his money. Um, you, you burst onto the individual scene, uh, in 2016 as a rookie, uh, and finished third, uh, your first time at the games, obviously as well in 2017 with the controversy surrounding Ricky Garrard, you went from your fourth place finish officially to moving to third place when he was, uh, caught for, uh, steroids. Uh, and then again, in 2018, you put a stamp on your, your place at the CrossFit games, uh, by again, finishing second to Matt Fraser. Um, hey, welcome to the podcast, uh, Patrick, and uh, I hope that uh, you feel pretty cool uh, hearing those good words about you. Yeah, thanks very much. Quite the intro. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so tell us a little bit about, you know, you, your your history in getting sort of involved in CrossFit is, I listened to your podcast with Sevon and, and Matt Bischel today, uh, and they're, you kind of got started in CrossFit on, on a whim out of the, out of the the gym at, uh, at university and just kind of, you know, kind of transitioned into doing some workouts that were CrossFit style. Give us a little bit of a background on where that came from and, and how you got involved. Well, I don't think it's that much different to how most people get involved with CrossFit or with exercise in general as you kind of, I, I, I used to be an athlete of, I played multiple different sports and I kind of, at that point in my life, uh, when I was in university, I'd retired mostly from all of my competitive sports and, I had a big gap that I needed to fill uh, as far as time and effort and maybe a competitive outlet. So I just, I ran into some friends who were doing that and it's kind of a little more fun to train with other people than just by yourself. So yeah, I kind of got sucked into it with uh, some other guys and I got 
convinced to do a competition here and there and um it's a slippery slope i think once i once i got a taste of it uh just based on the nature of how i am and, and how competitive i am um i didn't like to not be good at something so I, I put a lot of effort into getting better and improving at the things that i was not good at so um over time that's just sort of where things have taken me is to where i am now uh although you set the little goals along the way but uh it like i said it sort of just was a one thing led to another kind of scenario i feel like totally that's good I think, um, yeah, I think you're right that that story of how you get into crossfit is very common amongst anyone who's into crossfit you know i i've chosen not to go the games route just you know <laughs> I, I don't want to make my husband feel bad good you know, choice right? yeah you know i've got kids i'm gonna let them let them shine in their sports, but it's very universal. Like I I'm sure 80 to 90% of people who got into CrossFit have that kind of same path. And I think that's why we can all share this sense of community, whether or not you're Patrick Bellner, you know, second place at the games or Alana Mackinnon, um, 12th place at team competition in Moncton, New Brunswick, you know, <laughs> we're all in it for kind of the, the, same reasons. And I think it's, I, I'm just, I'm blown away that we're even just chatting with you right now. So I'm a little bit, <laughs> I'm a little bit, no, nah, I'm like, I have to remember that this is our podcast and not just kind of put my chin in my palm and listen as you're chatting, being like, Oh, this is really interesting. <laughs> oh no, wait, I'm supposed to contribute to this podcast, but. But definitely, I think you're right. That is, it's everybody kind of gets sucked in the same way. You know, somebody convinces you to come in and, mm-hmm. you, and you go for a couple of times. And um, I think that the community in CrossFit is definitely a massive part of it and people like it the retention is super high in crossfit compared to a lot of other different exercise programs or things like that because because of that community and and you sort of you go like like i said for me i think i obviously have different intrinsic goals maybe than other people do and um just based on the way i'm as an athlete and as a competitor i i wanted more out of it but um it's perfect for that. I mean, you just go with some friends and you get a little bit of a, a social involvement and you get your workout in and you can go in and do an hour class and after work and, and feel like you're a part of something. So uh, it's a lot of fun for people. And I think that at the end of the day, like that's how everybody gets involved is somebody knows a gym or did it and liked it. And then you sort of talk it up to somebody else. And I mean, I like, hopefully I like to think that I've, I've done the same for other people over the course of my few years that you you convince a few other people to join in and uh, and get involved with you. Yeah, for sure. And I, you, there's no question. Uh, you've certainly inspired, I'm sure, a ton of you know Canadians who watched you at the games and and certainly followed along with your, as you say, even so far a very short career. Um, and speaking of your short career, I was doing a little bit of research before we got started, and you know I, I came to find that there are very few CrossFit competitors who can say that they've owned the podium, which will, will, will steal a little, um, Olympics, uh, hashtag there, but, um, very few people have owned the podium like you have in your short career. Obviously you've been there, um, four years, um, three of them as an individual and all three years you finished on the podium. Um, there's very few names in that very small category, guys like Matt Frazier, guys like, uh, Rich Froning. Um, what can you say, sort of, can you tr- attribute your success to being able to get to the podium um, all three years competing as an individual? Um, I've actually, I've heard this stat before and, and there's actually, as far as I know, there's only three other athletes who've ever done that in individual competition and it's Matt, Rich and Tia. Tia, there you go. Um, okay. But 
I don't know. I, I obviously the three of them have all won multiple CrossFit games and I have not. <laughs> so it, there's, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what, what it is that has allowed me to do that thus far. Um, I think my, my competitive background lends a lot to being able to compete well in CrossFit and, and understanding how the CrossFit games point system works uh, over so many events uh, not getting discouraged by shortcomings. I think like resilience is really the, the major cornerstone of my, my athletic career in, in CrossFit. Uh, the keystone is that I just, I don't, I don't stop. I don't stop trying. I never quit on anything. And I, I'm, I, I always find a way to make, to make myself successful at the end of a four or five day competition. Um, whereas I think a lot of athletes can be discouraged early and, and sort of, get the wind taken out of their sails. Um, I, I think I'm just, I'm maybe more stubborn than most people and I don't let that happen. And I, I don't know, there's really not a whole lot more to it than that. I, I, I take my training as seriously as I can. I, I try to get as much done as I can and be as well prepared as I can be. But a lot of things can happen over the course of a competition like that. And uh, I like to, I pride myself on the fact that I've done a very good job of, in spite of whatever circumstances come up, um, doing as as well as as i can do and trying to execute to the best of my ability and, and keep and just continuing to move forward um all the time i never feel sorry for myself i never wallow for very long i, I just try to bounce back as quickly as i can and i think those are the things that make a successful athlete in a, in a particularly in a, a sport like crossfit so yeah for sure um, yeah and there are definitely those athletes when you're watching the games where you can see like mentally they're having you know, some sort of difficulty at some point in an event where you can just tell they've kind of mentally defeated themselves and they're not coming back from this. And, you know, whereas other athletes like Tia, who in certain events is just like a machine, just, you know, that girl is going to finish. She's first, like she's winning this. You can tell almost before they even start. And then there are some athletes who you can see it kind of fall apart um, during the workout. And I think that's the difference um, for any CrossFit athlete, I know you and I kind of go through that on a regular basis where yeah. you, your mindset, if you go into the gym and you're like, Oh, I'm kind of not feeling it. And you're mm -hmm. already starting to almost make an excuse before work. It even starts that, Oh, you know, if it doesn't go well, it's cause I'm not feeling great today. Whereas that's the difference between those people who go in and they know they're going to give a hundred percent and they just do it no matter what comes up and keep pushing through. That's definitely a difference maker. I think. Yeah. And I, th I think you made a good point there too, uh, Patrick, to the point where you said you're stubborn, but I would, I would argue that stubborn is not ideally the, probably a good descriptor. You're more, uh, I think just focused. Um, and then that's really, uh, what it was. And, and it reminded me of, so event one, 2017 run, swim, run doesn't go so well for you. You finish 36th. So you come out of there, um, you know, obviously feeling a little bit, oh, fuck, here I am. I'm, it's 36. It's not where I wanted to be. Kind of went out with a bit of a, a strategy that maybe didn't work out as well for you as you wanted it to. Fast forward to 2018, first event, the crit. And of course, you run the bike into somebody, lose your derailleur, 
um, need to get a new bike and find yourself again at the back of the pack. You must have thought to yourself, fuck, here we go again, uh, similar to last year, but yet you still stuck with the game plan that you knew would work and found yourself again on the podium. Tell us a little bit about that, that, that type of adversity and how you, how you yourself get through those times and, and kind of pull yourself back. Uh, I mean, the one good thing about having that this year is that I, I obviously knew based on last year's circumstances that it's not the end of the world. Like it's, it's fine. It sucks. Don't get me wrong. Like I need to stop doing that. It's not a good place to be, but it's especially this year we had four events on the first day. So if you can perform well, if I take three top tens in the next three events, I'm still in the top heat. I don't lose a heat advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's still a lot of weekend left. So I've competed enough that I, I know that and I understand that and it's fine. It's frustrating. Sure. But you can't, you can't let yourself be a victim. I think that that's what some people like fall victim to over the course of a competition is when, when circumstances go poorly for them, they really like, they wallow and they feel bad for themselves. And they say like, man, like what, like poor me. Um, I got screwed on this one and you have to take ownership over things that happen to you. Uh, no matter what, everybody gets a bad call now and then in the games or everybody gets a bad, a bad deal. It just, it just happens. Like that's the way this stuff works. You're not going to compete 15 events over five days and have everything just be smooth. It just doesn't happen. Some mistakes and some errors and some things are more obvious than others. But there's no athlete that left that competition with a perfect run. Like, I don't care. You look at Matt, the way he competes, and, and you might think that he's having a, a perfect day but all the time, but there's absolutely no way. Um, so the, that's just the reality of competition. You have to be okay with that. Like, I, I if, if I get to look back on the competition and, and say, like, oh, I would have, could have, should have, like, if I get to fix all my mistakes, then everybody else does too. Mm-hmm. And that's then you end up in the same place. It's just, those are things that happen and you need it's how you react to that and how you move forward. That makes a difference. And you do see the athletes who they get a couple bad events like that and they shut off, they completely shut off. And it's um, you can see it. Like we can see it as other athletes. And I mean, it, you can, you can feed off that a little bit. Like you pass somebody and you see them just shut down and you're like, cool. Like I know that that guy is done and it gives you energy, but you need to find a way to not, be that guy for to somebody else like you need to find a way to figure out how are you gonna slowly pick it up and keep moving and i and i this year it was it was more easy for me because i knew that based on the past i had it's possible right like i have done this before it's yeah. not it's not forms foreign circumstance for me like i it sucks but i know it's doable like i, I made my life a lot harder but uh it's fine i actually remember after the crit race the first thing I thought was that um, during I was kind of like, great, here we go again. And then right after the event finished, I remember thinking this really sucks because I'm going to have to try a lot harder on the marathon row than I wanted to. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Cause I was sort of going to look at that and be like, well, you know, maybe you take like, maybe you take a 10th and you don't have to kill yourself for three hours. But now, <laughs> now it was like, ah, shit. Like now you've actually got to take like a top five. And like, you need to do that. So it was fine. Like there were some other events that I knew I could make up ground in. And I, I, as, like I said, as long as I, I could finish the day in the top 10, um, that's all I needed from day one. And so I managed to do that and it was fine. Like it was, it was okay. It was, I was satisfied with where that left off, but it is frustrating and it's hard. And I mean, 
it's it's that's the that's why we have the competition right is it's easy to look at the competition or look at the events and say well i predict these guys or these guys are going to do well and probably before the competition ever started people would have picked matt to win or me to be second and maybe like brent or somebody to be third but like mm-hmm. this is why you have to do it is because things happen in competition like competition mm-hmm. atmosphere makes a difference mistakes get made and uh it, it affects the outcome of the event so you you sometimes you win and sometimes you lose like i can't i can't look at an event like that and be like you know i was in a crash and like this is too bad and this is unfair like this is just that was part of the event like that was the whole reason we did the crit race is because they knew people were going to crash yeah there's and no like, question castro put that in there thinking uh i gotta see somebody crash and fall oh on their hell ass. yeah yeah for sure so i mean it like it's, it sucks when it's you but like it was going to be somebody so you can't you can't be a, a victim like it's just you got to figure it out. You stand up and figure it out. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. That was, it was not the best way to start day one. I'm, I'm hoping that next year I figure out how to not take a 30 something on the first event of the games. That would be. I'm sure perfect. your coach, Michelle Latendre would uh, appreciate that as well for you to not uh, do that and, you know, start your day off or start the competition off a little bit better. Yeah. I'm sure she's sick of the heart attacks, but again, I think <laughs> she's uh we're we're comfortable in that position at least now it's if, if things like that happen i know that she knows that she doesn't have to say much to me like i know i know what to do i know i know what i'm i know like i already know it's fine and like we we figure it out and we get moving we get back on track uh fortunately i've been able to do that in the past and i i'm i'm, I'm good at that now i don't know if it's a skill that you want to be able want to have to use very often but I'm good at I'm good at figuring it out when things go poorly. That's good. And and speaking of Michelle, obviously, you know, you're on a you're on a pretty good team. You know, you're running when you look at her success this year of of athletes that she coached, you know, obviously she had you on the on the podium. Laura Horvat was on the podium as well. Um, you know, she's doing pretty well. Like uh where did where did that where did you guys meet? How did you guys get involved as her as sort of athlete coach relationship how did how that how did that evolve yeah she knows what she's doing um we actually so i lived in montreal for my undergraduate like when i was taking my bachelor's degree i studied at mcgill university uh and that's where i started doing crossfit was in like 2013 uh while i was going to school there and i after I went to the regionals for the first time in 2014, I met a coach there and uh, I was actually just training kind of at my school gym doing whatever. Uh, and they invited me to come train at their gym, which was a gym that Michelle was a, a part owner at. Um, so I, I met her then um, was like kind of would train around her off and on. I was nothing special at the time, but uh, we got to know each other a little bit and she ended up moving to, another gym she moved out of town a little ways and uh was done at that gym and that was the gym that i I went to the games on a team with in 2015 so anyway i I got to know her a little bit then and then the, the next year when i went back to individual i was training in montreal that summer for the games um and i was living with my girlfriend in montreal and then she ended up moving um out west partway through the summer so I was like sort of without a home and I I contacted Michelle and and she was training for the games as well that year so they her and her boyfriend Fred actually invited me to come live with them for about a month before the and like up to the games and through the games um so I lived with them and trained with her every day and we got 
got along super well. We became really good friends. And um, that year, uh, she retired after that. We competed on the Invitational team together. And after the Invitational in Canada, she retired and started her programming full-time after right. that uh, and started just going full-time coach. Um, so once she started doing that and she launched the Decacomp program, I contacted her and just said that I was interested in, in working with her because we got along so well and and things obviously worked out very well for me working with her that last year, even in a just as a, having her as a mentor uh, and not and not an official coach. So um, yeah, we kind of started that relationship there, and and we had a little bit of background before, and it's gone all it's it's gone really well. I mean, we have a we have a very interesting relationship, so it's fun. It's it's I think I respect her a lot, and uh, she respects what I'm able to do, and. Um, we do a lot of back and forth and we definitely work together as a team. It's not really like she tells me what to do and I just do it. Although it is that way sometimes um, <laughs> we definitely bounce a lot of things back off, back and forth off each other. And uh, it's, it's worked out great so far. So I am happy that, I mean, the last couple of years working with her, it's been about two years now uh, have gone great and she's, her program's only gotten bigger and uh, obviously starting to work with Laura this year was huge. And she had a, an awesome, awesome year. Uh, and so things are really on the up and up for yeah. Michelle. So it's, it's really good. I'm happy, I'm happy that I've been able to be a part of that and that it's, uh, it's been really good. For sure. Yeah. No, obviously a recipe for success. She's putting out some, some great uh, programming and you guys are benefiting from it in the long run. So it's great. Yeah. Good. Um, I want to pick your brain a little bit on some of the changes that are happening in 2019. I know <laughs> we don't know all of the details, and I'm sure you've been asked this by a hundred people already, but um, I have a couple of thoughts and, 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 and I just want to kind of get your take on it. Um, obviously with the open um, now sort of being the, the crowning of the, 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 the champion for, for a country, um, you win your country, you automatically get a, an invite to the games. Um, you don't win your country in the open and you have to go through your qualifying stages, uh, similar to the Olympic style, um, with, uh, with different competitions, uh, to, to gain your spot. Um, do you see yourself changing your strategy going into 2019? Are you gunning to win, to be the fittest in Canada? Um, or are you looking ahead thinking, you know what, let's kind of for, forget about the open per se and focus on, on a, on a different competition throughout the year that you think might work better for you as far as training and timing and all of that stuff. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Um, <clears throat> I mean, I want to preface this by saying we don't actually have any official information as what the season is going to look like. So there it's a really hard position to be in because for me, say like I'm trying to train, but I'm also going to school and working and doing things. And one of the biggest, one of the things I'm very good at and that Michelle and I work very hard to do is to periodize the year and be able to allow myself time to succeed at school and do the things I need to do in the off season. And then when it's time to be in the on season, I can be as fit as I need to be to perform and, and be well and do well when I need to at the different stages. And I've done that very well in the last few years, but now that's all at the window. Like this, the competition season just got extended by like six months. And yeah. it's so I sort of lose that, but right now there's no information out. So I have kind of lost that, but I also can't plan 
for what I'm going to do because we don't know when things are or what's going on. So it's been frustrating, I think, for the athletes to try to wrap their heads around it. At the end of the day, you just have to, you have to be as fit as you can be when the time comes. So to me, um, I think that this, the 2019 season is going to be interesting because it's going to be a little bit backwards compared to what they're planning. I think in the years coming up after the 2019 games, the plan is that the open is going to be in October and then, and then all the sanctioned events will follow, like you said, but this year that won't be the case. There will be several sanctioned events before the open and then there will be the open and then there will be several more sanctioned events. I think the open will still be in the old place in February, March, uh, as it has been in years past. So now you don't necessarily know, like, I don't know if I win the, if I win a sanctioned event before the open, do I just not do the open? Um, right. Frankly, I, which I thought was, I don't think they're going to allow that. I think that you're going to have to do the open regardless to be eligible. Um, but I, I think that if you're, if you're an athlete who's trying to make it to the games, uh, if you live in the U S Canada, Iceland, or Australia, um, you you can't pl- you can't plan to win the open. You ha- yeah. you have to win a sanctioned event. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that your your time and effort and your periodization is better spent doing that, because mm-hmm. the way I see it, the open is it's a five week long competition, whereas every other competition is like a two or three day long competition. Competition wears on you a lot. Like it's exhausting mentally, physically, emotionally. It's very taxing, and if you are going to periodize your training around peaking for a certain event. Um, Would you rather peak for five weeks of anxiety Mm -hmm. and stress and whatever, or would you rather peak for two days and just go and rip the bandaid off and do it? If you had to pick one, the average athlete would, would say, Hey man, I'm going to fucking go to the the two day competition. I'm going to go for it and hope for the best. And if you win it, you punch your ticket, you're good. But if you go through five weeks of anxiety and then you finish second, like that's just, it's like soul crushing. I, I, I think that trying to win the open, depending on where you live is, is very, very, it's either very challenging or very easy. I think that there's like yeah. not a lot of middle ground. Um, so, and the, the problem with this new format is like, I don't know, like, let's say um, it's me and Alex Vino or like the front runners to win the open in Canada. And I go, okay. I go, hey, Alex, do you want to just win the open and I'll go win Wadapalooza? And he goes, he goes, <laughs> right. yeah, sure. So he doesn't have to worry about me. Like I'm going to go do something else, and he can do that. And I think there's going to be a lot of table talk this year between some of the elite athletes, so that you know, like let's say if I if I make that deal, I know he's not going to go to this competition that I'm going to go to, and uh, I have one less top end competitor to compete against to beat. And I mean, if you if you just share your thoughts with everybody else like you could probably just amongst yourself like amongst the top five games athletes just say like hey uh how about i go win this one you go win this one you go win this one and then we'll see all we'll see each other at the games and then yeah. you do that so yeah for sure and but one of the things that it brings up to or makes me think of is uh, so a guy like vino for instance who i'm sure a lot of people don't know like they would know you, Matt Frazier, Brent Fikowski, because you know, obviously you guys have been on the big stage. Um, you know, you obviously the, you've won big prizes at the CrossFit Games. So let's let's take somebody who's, you know, maybe between, uh, you know, five and 10 in their rankings. 
um, they maybe can't afford to be traveling all over the world to these different competitions for the chance to qualify for the games versus doing the open in their home box. Right. So I, I, part of me wonders where HQ is coming from in the sense of kind of doing that. I think they're kind of sh- maybe potentially shooting themselves in the foot. Cause I think a lot of people will pull out of the open and just say, you know what, we're not going to register. Meaning that uh, obviously HQ doesn't make the money off of the open in that sense. Not that I think that they're hurting for it by any means. Um, but, but like guys that are, you know, in the seven to 10 position, can they afford to co travel to Wadapalooza and train for, you know, all the stuff leading up and then, and travel and, and compete like, Maybe it's a little bit easier for guys who have won a $250,000 check or have sponsorships and things like that um, versus the average Joe who wants to compete, maybe has a chance, but maybe he doesn't anymore because he can't afford to, to compete at that level. It definitely makes a difference for, I think you'll see less rookie athletes coming into the games um, because you're right. right. It, basically, what it, it's a very rich gets richer situation, um, in my opinion. I think that if you're a, whatever, a top 10 games athlete or you're an athlete who's got reasonable amount of sponsorship um your sponsors want you to go compete and i mean frankly if i have to go through three or four sanctioned events to get my spot that's almost better for my sponsors because i get to showcase myself more times and showcase their brands or whatever more times if i punch my ticket right away in like november december and then i just vanish until the games because i don't need to do anything i just get to train for the games for like eight months like that's not exactly the best case scenario for sponsors, but if you don't have that sponsorship, you're right. Like how the problem is that in the old, in the old format, uh, it, it was pretty elegant in the sense that everyone had one life. Like you had one shot, everybody showed up and you had one chance to make, to punch your ticket. And if you made it great, if you didn't better luck next year, but yeah, yeah. now you can effectively buy extra lives. Um, you can, if I don't qualify, through whatever sanctioned event. Oh, tough. Like I finished whatever place. Well, it's okay. I'm just going to go to the next one and then I can, well, I don't make it there. I go to the next one and then the next one and then the next one. And maybe by the sixth event, I punch my ticket. But if you don't have the, the sponsorship backing to pay for the flights and accommodation and the various things that you need to make that happen, like that's a massive undertaking and that it's, yeah. it's, it's not an advantage. Like it's a massive advantage. It's not, it's not a privilege that most athletes have. So if you're not, if you're someone who, I mean, every year we see some new athletes come into the mix and do quite well. If you're one of those new athletes and you don't have that backing yet, maybe you could get it. If you were just given the chance, you would, you would be a great, you'd be a top 10 games athlete. But if you finish second at a couple sanctioned events, you get just edged out by a couple athletes. You can, maybe you can only afford to go to two and that's it. Like then maybe now it's next time. And if you're an, if you're an American athlete and in the open, that means you have to beat Fraser. Like, good luck. Like you're not going to do it. (laughs) Like you've got guys like Fraser and Olsen and guys like that who are very good at the open. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, it's challenging. And I think that that's, that's like the unfortunate part of it. Um, Obviously I understand what they're trying to do. Um, I think that there's, it's going to be interesting to see, what happens in the next, like, I, I think that their, their plan is a long distance plan um, that this year, next year, maybe the next year after that are, are likely going to be a little bit messy, but maybe it's something that needs to happen in order for the competition to be great in 10 years. Um, so I don't know, but it, it's definitely, 
there's going to be some growing pains without a doubt. Uh, and I think that that's just, you have to expect that anytime there's big changes, there's going to be that. I mean, in 2015, when they changed the super regional format, um, people squirmed over that too. And it was fine. Like it's th- things just change. And I mean, at the end, like at the end of the day, it's our responsibility as the athletes to just try to be as fit as we can be. Like that's, that's what I was going to do anyways. I don't, I don't show up to any event to lose. So it doesn't really change much for me. It just changes how often you may have to compete, which for some athletes just based on preference or maybe their vision of how they want to maintain their longevity. Um, they may have a different preference for how they like to do that. And I wonder the sanctioned events, are they ready for like the increasing capacity that they might experience? Like if all of these athletes now have to go to these events, obviously there's a cap on the number of athletes that can compete in a specific event. If it's over a couple of days, are, you know, will there be people turned away from registering from some of these events? Because everyone now, if they're not going to win the open has to funnel through them. Like, I just wonder the logistics of that they've obviously agreed and have had the discussions, but you know, I wonder what that's going to mean for those events too. This is the irony of the whole thing is that right, like right now HQ stance is that the changes is to kind of um, promote the community in, in other countries and things like that. Right. And, and try to expand their affiliation reach in various other countries. Um, so they've kind of played this community card and said like, yeah, look, this is, this is to involve the community more in the games. We feel like the games has gotten away from the community. Um, okay. So it's like, fair enough. Uh, but if you, these, all of these events that are now going to become sanctioned events used to be great events for the community, but now right. mm-hmm. when you like, they used to be, you know, like, like, like some of the big events, they're, they're all like these team of three formats, like mixed pairs, like community teams of whatever. And, a lot of people go to these events for their first competition. You know, you round up some buddies and you go do it. And now if you're going to become a sanctioned event, presumably you're going to have to forfeit some of that because you're going to have to make space for these individuals and the teams that are trying to qualify for the games. And that's got to be just a stipulation in you getting a sanction. If you want a sanction, you, you have to be willing to do that. Um, yep. Because you're right. Like there isn't that unlimited amount of people you can add into this. And the attention of this event is going to get taken away from the community and put on the individuals. So now instead of having one event a year at the games, which is not really necessarily like community oriented, it's more about like these elite athletes. Now you have 16 of them and maybe you've you've made, maybe you've made the games a little more community driven, but you've made every other one of these big events less so. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of the irony from my perspective. And I mean, I, I, I've had some conversations like this over the last three weeks, probably more times than I, than I care to remember, (laughs) but I have to assume that I'm not the first person to think of these kind of things. You know, like we've, I've sat down with other athletes and other people and it's easy for us to poke holes in it um, from the position that we're sitting in. But I have to, I have to assume that there's people on the HQs end that are also playing devil's advocate and doing the same thing. And, and what they're going to do is they're going to try to come up with the best version of this vision that they can come up with. That makes the most logistic mm-hmm. sense. And likely this year, especially where it's a transition year and they only really can implement half of what they're saying. Um, it's going to be different. Mm-hmm. It's just going to look different. And then the next year, maybe will be the first year of the actual format that they are proposing and 
then you're going to have to see what worked, what didn't and, and roll with it. And it's going to take probably a couple of years before things are, are where they want it to be or, or anything near what, where, where they want it to be. So I have to assume that there's the things that all the issues that I have brought up with it or the things that I think may cause problems. There's got to be somebody there who's saying that as well, putting their hand up in the meeting and being like, Hey, well, what about this? What about this? And they're building in like safety nets to avoid some of those situations. Um, because yeah, I mean, it, it, it is a massive scale change and, uh, I, you can only assume that they're, they're not trying to kill their own sport that they try, they built. Right. Um, you have to assume that they're, they're going to be doing the best they can to make it appropriate for what they're looking for. So I don't know. It's, it's going to be very, very interesting over the next year anyways. So I'm excited to see when we get real information. Yeah. I was just thinking it, it, I know that the games is not everyday CrossFit and I don't, but I don't think that anybody expects it to be like, if I think of like both of our sons play hockey, if you think of like your journey through hockey, minor hockey, like that's a hockey community. Um, and then there's also the NHL. So the big superstars that the kids kind of go, wow, look at that guy. Maybe one day that's the dream. And then the minor hockey community is the reality. I think CrossFit is kind of no different where it's at right now that our, our kids are involved in our CrossFit community because it's strong and we involve families and things like that. But they also get really excited about, um, when they see the teen competition, in the games and our 11 year old goes, wow, how old is that guy? And you were like, was he 14, 14 or 15? Yeah. And so I can see him doing the math in his head. Like, well, I'm 11. So I've got three years. He's like, that's it. I'm starting training now. I'm super excited. He's telling parents that he's going to the CrossFit games. Like that's his spark to go. I could be that. I, that, you know, you almost need to highlight some people who are going to energize that competitive nature in, in younger kids um, to want to join their local community with that kind of end goal in mind. So I, I do understand why they're making some changes, but then I also feel like they might lose a bit of that too. Like, I don't think that it was so broken that everybody thought that CrossFit was the CrossFit games. I, I think most people can kind of differentiate that, but you know, so for me, I'm, I was almost like, oh, I kind of liked where it was going. Um, but, you know, obviously I, I don't know as much as Greg Glassman and he's, you know, got the pulse in it and it's his deal. But for me, I think, you know, I just saw how excited my kids were to see that big game stage, but they still understand even at nine and 11 that there's still like real life CrossFit that mom and dad go to, and then there's the games and, but that the games piece really sparks an interest in younger kids to want to get involved at their local level. So, you know, hopefully these changes, I'm sure they'll be great, but I don't want to lose the differentiation. I think it, it does get more people involved who want to actually compete at that level and still keeps people like us who are in our forties joining CrossFit. Like we have no, you know, we did not join CrossFit because we thought it was only about the game. So I, I like both, both pieces of that. Right. And, yeah. but anyways, I'm sure it'll, I'm sure. Neil's yeah. And I mean, the, the, it is true that the games is a, it's a, it's like a hype man. Like you every once a year, we we're like a circus act. We like run out there and we put on a great show and everyone gets all <laughs> excited and it like revitalizes everyone's uh, motivation to train for the year. But I think that there, there may be, if you're in North America and you get the like the CrossFit media is all around here and 
they have their distinguished or their distinction between uh, kind of like the CrossFit games and the CrossFit community and how they're not the same thing. Like this is CrossFit for sport. Like this is CrossFit for health. And it's, it's not the same. So we get that, I think a lot, but there may be, and if you go through like Europe or Asia or places like that, and maybe if all the media that they get of CrossFit is CrossFit games, I think maybe it's not the case. And there are places where there may be gyms that are programming too high a level for their members. And, and uh, it's, it maybe is some of the messages getting lost and, and the sport perspective is, is running a little bit rampant. Um, but I agree. I think that what CrossFit likes is like, they, they, they want um, life changing stories, right? Like they want to hear about so-and-so mm-hmm. yeah. lost a hundred pounds, like where it was like, depressed and then found his CrossFit community and now he's like he's got a, a family in his gym and like those are those are really also motivating and inspirational stories for people and I think ones that stand to make a bigger difference maybe in someone's life like maybe you don't touch as many people but the ones that you do it's a very drastic change uh whereas like yeah. fuck like I, I don't know like watch me walk up walk out there like I'm a perfectly well-adjusted dude had a great upbringing competed in sports my whole life and now i'm just transferring those skills to a different avenue and also being successful again like it's like who wants to hear the story about the guy the winner the winner that keeps on winning right like no one no one cares like it's it's, it's, that's that's the difference we want to we want to keep seeing you uh compete and keeping canada on that stage but uh you know we're fans of right. CrossFit, so uh, obviously we don't mind. But you know but what I'm I, saying? I like that's, that's not think, like a, as as yeah. a, as inspiring of a story. Maybe like maybe some of the things that I can do or whatever are are inspiring to be like, man, this is possible. This is cool. Like, uh, or for someone who is an athlete or a competitor to say, hey, well, like I, I think I can get to that level. But it's cool to see people, you know, those what those stories of so and so who's fighting with a eating disorder and people who have actually like changed their health and, and drastically changed their circumstances through things like that. Like those are kind of, I think the stories that CrossFit really wants to grip onto and, and where they're trying to move their, their media and their kind of approach to is this to back, to be back to being mm-hmm. focused on that. And I think in the last bunch of years, they're worried that too much of their attention has gone to promoting these athletes who are, like I said, it's just like, a, like a guy like, like Matt, who's just like the winner who keeps on winning. Like it's great. Like it is amazing, but it's maybe not, those aren't like the drastic changes that they want to be showing. Um, it's more, it's inspiring on a totally different scale and a different reason. But, uh, like I, I understand what they're going for. Um, but as, as myself, who's on the competitive side of it, like, yeah, I, I, there's obviously certain hangups that I have, but, uh, yeah, like again, I, I I can I can be objective and say like I, I understand what's happening. Um, For yeah. sure, um, and you know you you listen, you're a well-rounded guy, and you have a, a pretty extensive, busy lifestyle. Um, and speaking of which, let's talk a little bit about you know schooling. You're you're currently in the process of um, studying chiropractic um, at uh, I'm assuming a college in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, so you f- plan to finish up sometime next year is it may yep may awesome um what's the do you, do you see an end game for crossfit now uh, you know 
I'm sure you're not thinking too far down the road. You're still competing. And I don't want to tell, I don't want to say that, Hey, it's time for you to hang up the sneakers and stop competing. But do you have sort of a, a long term plan that you think, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to be done with this CrossFit thing in two years, five years. Um, and I'm going to move into the chiropractic profession. Um, do you have sort of a, a vision down the road that, that, that you see it going? Well, I mean, seeing how things happen this year will maybe play a role, maybe not. But uh, I, my plan right now, I'll graduate in May. Um, my girlfriend studies medicine, and she'll go into residency in May. So wherever she gets placed for residency, we'll move there. I'll probably try to practice. I'll join a practice as an associate, probably practice part-time, do like two or three days a week, train as long as I'm healthy, I'll maybe try to train and compete for like two more years, three more years. And then I think at a certain point, it'll be important for me to decide when I feel like I'm not competing at a level that I, I want to be competing at. Um, I don't think anybody ever wants to finish their career at like an all time low. So I think that that it's going to be important to decide, like, when do I feel like I've, I've given it, the right amount of time I've given it a good run and I've given it everything I have. And like, that's it. It's time to hang it up. Like there's, there's nowhere left to go, but down and I'm just going to get hurt and I'm going to get whatever. Um, I, I'll probably still do CrossFit in some capacity. And uh, I think that will be a challenge in and of itself is to, to be able to just be a casual consumer after having competed at at a certain (laughs) level or had a certain amount of capacity. I think that that's going to be very difficult um, and it's a conversation I like to have with actually games athletes. So I usually ask people about that, but, um, I think that that's going to be something I'll have to flirt with when I get there, but probably I got another couple of years, two, three years of good competition in me. And then we'll yeah. see where I go from there. But yeah, any aspirations to own a, own an affiliate? Not at the moment. No. Okay. That's sort of like, I, I don't know. I've, I've never, I like, I like coaching, but I like one-on-one working with people one-on-one. I'm not a huge, like big group person. So I think that, uh, maybe I could do it down the line, but I think that I've, I've just, I've put invested too much time and energy into my profession at the moment that I, I need to do that for a while. Um, maybe when I'm like much older, uh, and I cut back on my clinic hours and then I decide to like open a gym as a secondary thing. Uh, who knows? Like maybe in like 50 You were years. about to say when I'm about 40 and we were going to, we were about to call you out on that bullshit. When going, I'm 40, hey, much we're 43. older. <laughs> not we, no, we are not collectively right. 40. You're I'm 43. 43. I'm just, I'm young just 40. Patrick, I would never have people. said something like that. <laughs> That's all right, man. But I, so we may let the kids listen to this because our so our oldest son, his job, his number one goal um, is going to be the NHL. And I right. said, well, you need to have a backup to that. And so it's Major League Soccer is the backup to the <laughs> NHL. And I'm like, well, Amazing. Physiotherapy, chiropractic, like along those lines. He's like, no, I don't need that. I've got my backup. Like, well, I think you still need like maybe a plan C. So we'll just be like, Hey, you want to listen to that Patrick Bellner uh, interview? Yeah. Right. Guess what? He's a chiropractor right. and also a games athlete. So well, I think one of the, we'll cool set him things, on the right one of the unique things that I have um, and that you even like you're saying there for your son, who's super interested in sports and invested in sports. 
um, is that, I mean, all sports use physical therapy of some kind or like manual mm-hmm. therapy and, and get treatment. Like that's an avenue that allows you to stay involved in those areas if that's what you really want um, in just a different capacity. Like down the road, uh, let's say I compete two more years of the games and things go incredibly well and I end up with like five back-to-back podiums. Um, and then I retire from CrossFit and I, I start my chiropractic career, my, my career as a therapist, you, you have a really good jumping off point where you have a, an easy way to generate clientele and, and build a patient base and maybe um, build yourself a, a business within the CrossFit space where that you can, you can treat athletes for your whole life now and still stay super close to what you love to do. And uh, you're just, you're just operating in a different zone. So that's, I think, and that's what people who are gym owners are trying to do as well. And it's just, I'm just doing that in a, in a slightly different capacity. Um, and so I think that that's a really unique opportunity that I have. And I think is a good advice that you have for your, your kids that, I mean, you can still stay close to the things that you love. Like if you're someone who loves hockey and you want to do whatever, like you can end up being a, a, a physio or a trainer or something and still work with hockey players your whole life and be at the game watch the game and still play the game and be around it all the time. Uh, and you can provide those athletes or those people with your own experience. And I mean, even from my perspective, if, if I'm able to help other athletes because of injuries that I've had or, or experiences that I've had, and I know exactly what they've, they're going through and what they're going to go through and what they need to do. I think that that's super valuable. And some of those things you only gain through experience. So you might be the best or the only person, uh, who can help them. Right. So mm-hmm. it's, those are things that are just, it's neat and it's something to think about. So I, I definitely Sweet. think education is important. So I, I totally value yes. that a lot. For sure. Speaking of injuries, mm-hmm. uh, quick question for you. When you fell from the rope ladder <laughs> and hit the ground and you hit the ground really hard, um, it looked really painful. I have to guess that being your having your background studying through chiropractic you probably freaked out less about that injury than some others might have because you kind of knew, okay, this is what it feels like. You kind of, you know, you have obviously a really extensive knowledge of anatomy and things like that. Uh, Obviously it hurt like hell. And I've heard you tell a couple of stories, you're, you know, tasting blood in your mouth and things like that. Um, But I'm guessing that you kind of were able to keep yourself calm enough to know that, okay, I'm not like, there's nothing physically broken you were kind of did, did you feel that way or were you still just like holy fuck i don't know i don't know what the hell i'm gonna do here <laughs> it was funny because i like i tried to kind of ignore it until i was done the event and then when i finished we were on the finish line and i like coughed up some blood on that it was like a nice white finish line too so it was like super clear <laughs> and then i kind of was like tried to hide it for a sec and go somewhere else so that no one would see it and then I, I knew some people on the medical staff. So when we walked out, I spoke to somebody immediately and I just said like, Hey, I need you to come check this out for me. Um, and they came over and, uh, I'm just like, was like, yeah, like I had a water bottle. So like swish around my mouth, like spat totally clear. Then just like did one big cough, spat out a bunch of blood. And, uh, he looks at me like, oh, okay. Like, that's not good. And I was like, I know that's, yeah. I know that's not good. Like, cause you're exactly right. Like I, that was the first thing I checked when I got to the finish line was like, I just cleaned my mouth out just to check if I was bleeding from my mouth or if I was bleeding from right. somewhere else. And so it was 
right away I was like I'm not it's not in my mouth like you can tell if it's your mouth right like your your tongue's really good at figuring out if something's wrong like if you chip the tooth you put your tongue through your, or your tooth through your tongue or your lip like you tell changes in your mouth really quickly and I didn't feel that at all so uh I did the quick check with the water and was pretty confident it was coming from either like my lungs or like in my throat and uh so I talked to this doc and he does the check and checks my mouth and everything like that. I was like, mouth's fine. Like I already knew my mouth was fine. And he checks all my ribs and everything. And like, I, my ribs are fine. Like I already knew my ribs were fine. And uh, like, I, I I'd kind of already done the math, like the, the walk back from the finish line, just being like, I'm pretty sure that blood is in my lungs. Um, and we, so when we got like, I was fully prepared to hear that. And it's, it sucked. It didn't make it any easier to hear, but it was, uh, yeah, like you're right. I, I didn't. There was no panic. It was just the honestly, the panic was more that like like I realized that I might have to withdraw, um, based on basically the discretion of the medical staff, like whatever they think. Right. Um, and sometimes, in spite of how you feel, whatever, like it's in competition, you can't rely on the athletes to make decisions like that because most athletes in that environment are gonna want to play. We're going to want to do it like, and that's just kind of how we are. And, and I'm I'm no different in spite of being someone who knows better. I'm totally not any different. Um, And I'm an, a hundred percent. Like when I, when I treat patients in clinic or I do certain things, I'm, it's like, do as I say, not as I do. Cause (laughs) I would a hundred percent, if it was me, I would do things a certain way, but I can appreciate why they're telling me what they're telling me. So we had to go get scanned and like I, I got cleared and I, I kind of tried to make sure that I wouldn't have to go to the hospital to get a scan because I was fairly confident in what the scan would show. Um, so I was trying to like, oh, no, it's fine. You know, like it's, I'm already coughing up less blood. Like it's already fine. <laughs> but uh, ba- based on the, the circumstance, like a fall from that height uh, and clearly there was internal damage. They were like, we cannot clear you to compete unless you get a scan done. Um, okay. So I had to go do that. <laughs> and it was fine. Like it ended up being, there was some bruising, but it wasn't like a crazy amount. And because it did stop bleeding kind of like an hour after the event, um, they like they, the head of the medical staff kind of allowed me to compete. And under the caveat that like, if I started to bleed again and cough up blood again, I was going to be immediately withdrawn from the competition or if I had any sort of like uh, other strange sensations or circumstances with, cause I mean, I fall like that. I, you get a, you're at higher risk for like multiple other internal injuries as well. Um, even mm-hmm. if they were not detected initially. So anyway, it would sort of, it makes you appreciate uh, every other second that you have on the competition floor when you have to, when you might not, you know, you might mm-hmm. not be back after every event. I was like, go go to the bathroom and do a quick cough and check and make sure it wasn't coughing up any blood make sure no one else was around but yeah yeah, it was fine it was okay but yeah definitely to answer your question like yeah i i did know like i knew kind of what was going on and uh i knew before they told me kind of what the situation was going to be and unfortunately that's like the second time i've been in that situation in 2016 at the regional when i tore my bicep was very similar they kind of like the medical staff cleared me to compete, but they basically said, if you even look like you are shaky or wobbly or you wince once you're out. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So you just have to 
have to really appreciate like the rest of the time you have to compete, take it one event at a time. Cause you don't know if it's going to be your last event and then just, yeah, try to try to enjoy it and do your best. But uh, yeah, uh, not, not, not circumstances I would wish on anyone else, but you know, growing experiences. For sure. Um, earlier on, uh, before we got this uh, thing rolling, we had told you that we did. We had the pleasure of uh, interviewing uh, Margot Alvarez a couple of weeks ago. Um, you had said that you got a, a pretty funny story. I know you guys are going to be doing um, the Wad on the Waves uh, cruise uh, in January. Uh, so um, hit us with your Margot story. We'd like to, <laughs> love to hear it. Yeah. So actually, we just um, it was at the games this year. We Margot's great. She's so she's so loose like she's a very awesome relaxed lady she's unbelievable but uh it's the wine yeah right (laughs) but actually and so here goes the story she was staying at the uh the same hotel as we were and we got back from the day one like super long day we do this marathon row it's a nightmare um but she won it for the women um and like led it end to end it was amazing um And so I, I kind of got back to the hotel and you're like, you just need to like eat whatever, you know, like you, it, you've probably burnt like 3000 calories rowing. And it's just like, you need, you yeah. just eat like a dick, like whatever you want to eat, you just eat. <laughs> so I like sat down and I, there were some of the media teams, guys that I knew from CrossFit and I, I sat with them and ate like a big burger and like wings and just like awesome. sitting with them and just like chatting about whatever the day. Um, and uh margo swings around the corner with a full glass of wine in her hand like super <laughs> full and it's just like super chipper chatting like looks like nothing even happened right and uh she just That's won crazy. she just won the marathon row and it's like oh my she was over having drinks and dinner and yeah popped in said hi for a bit and just like crushed her wine and left so awesome. I was like, yeah. she walked away. I was like, God damn it. Like that woman <laughs> just like smashed everybody on this row. And she's probably having like three glasses of wine every night and just going to bed. Totally, totally happy. So she's unbelievable. She's amazing. Uh, it was amazing <laughs> to watch the marathon row and, and talking with her, you know, obviously her, 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 sort of training regimen is train recover and drink wine and and she's got oh, a great definitely. little business going for her in vegas with her with her wine business and stuff like that so yeah no she was a total total fun to talk to and um like you say to, a really great person and, and uh you know the, the yeah wine she's got the lifestyle figured out <laughs> yeah that's awesome that's awesome all right, man. So let's let's have a little bit of fun before we wrap up here. Um, Alana wants to run you through uh, what we're going to call our night and day podcast rapid fire. Um, she's going to hit you with a couple of things. You tell us uh, what your sort of top picks are, and uh, and then we'll we'll finish up after that. So, are you sure this is called rapid fire? Yes, rapid okay. fire. Patrick, you know what rapid fire is, yeah? I think so. Yeah. So she's going to tell you two things. You just tell us which one you think is okay. Best. Perfect. Like pick. One, one or the yeah. other and because we're all canadian i figured like well, let's do a canadian theme all like, right and then it was, i was kind of hard pressed i'm like oh god what is you know think yeah. of like canadiana like really you know it's hard when you are stuff, canadian so. you should ask them like, i know you should have outsourced for that i know true. i was like back bacon do yeah. i have to ask about back bacon like that's what everybody thinks is canadian but right should have hit up taggart and torrens and those guys could have told us a whole lot why of not eh? stuff anyways yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So I just, I'll just start. Okay. Uh, Putin or Donaire? Putin. 
Uh, the Canadians or the Maple Leafs? Oof. Come <laughs> on. <laughs> uh, I'll go Maple Leafs this year. Okay. Uh, you could have said Oilers, and that would also. Oh, I'm a huge that, Oilers but... fan. I grew up in Alberta. Okay, there. Totally. There you go. All right, there we awesome. go. Uh, East Coast or West Coast? Oof, West. Tragically Hip or Drake? Oh, go hip. Uh, and this, I know you're in your. It should have been tragically hip or blue 40s. rodeo. That would have been a better. One. Well, there I was go. going to she do. Was gonna I was going to do sure. hip or rodeo. And then, like, but what if I'm so old that he's like blue rodeo? <laughs> do you mean Drake? Like, yeah. come on, oh, be relevant. So, but that's immediately <clears throat> where my head went. Um, and so this one, maybe you will know then. Um, Beachcombers or Littlest Hobo? Oh, Littlest Hobo. Uh, I think this one's more for me. Ryan Reynolds or Ryan Gosling? Oh, Gosling. <laughs> yeah, that's the right answer. Or yes, you could have just said yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, Canadian summer or Canadian winter? Uh, it depends what part of the country you live in. Totally. Um, West yeah, Coast take where you live, maybe, or where you spend the most amount. Of, I don't. Yeah, that is hard. Like, that's like right hard. now, Canadian winters here are super mild. The summers are super yep. hot mm-hmm. and humid, which I don't actually love. Yep. Whereas, mm-hmm. like back in Alberta, it's very different. Montreal is different. Like mm-hmm. I've lived in a lot of different places in Canada. I'll go. Mm-hmm. I'll just go Canadian winter though, just because I feel like it's it's quintessentially Canadian, and like you don't, you don't you don't you sure. don't get that everywhere else. Every the summer, like you can get that heat everywhere. So true. Yep. Uh, craft beer or domestic beer? Uh, getting big into the crafts these days. Excellent. Uh, and the last one, dinner or supper? Oh, <laughs> um, I think I grew up saying supper, but I think I've recently made the yes. switch to dinner. I don't know why. Oh, because oh, you're living in Ontario. Darn. That's why. That might be why. <laughs> I'm not sure. My sister lives in Toronto, and oh man, that's all. They, are you, I'm. We're, it's about time for dinner. I'm like, no, it's supper. Yeah, Every time we go, supper going up too. My my mom's from yeah. Halifax, so I don't know. Is that a East Coast thing or is that a? Yes. Okay. That's where maybe it is. Well, we're in Halifax. We're we're living in Bedford, so yeah. My mom's um, from mom's Dartmouth. From yeah. Yes, that's nice. amazing. I did not know that. Yeah, that's cool. So it's so totally supper. Totally. Yeah. Supper. So I thought you were gonna say supper or breakfast. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> You just, you just like to eat. You just say all, all food. I don't really yeah. give a shit. We, we would, yeah, breakfast. Breakfast for yeah, supper. Totally. Oh, breakfast for supper. Breakfast for supper is amazing. That Now that's That living. is living. It You've is totally. made it when you're eating breakfast for supper. <laughs> and speaking of food, uh, Food Spring, uh, they're one of your one of your sponsors. Um, what, yeah. uh, tell us a little bit about what they mm. do. Um, what, what's the, what, do you, what, do you, what do you use them for? Food Spring is a, they're my supplement sponsor. So they, I get all my kind of like, aminos and protein and carbs and vitamins and all that mm-hmm. stuff through them but they they're like health food as well so they make um like all or like pure ingredient and organic like peanut butter oatmeal like muesli beef jerky mm-hmm. like dried fruits like anything they they make all kinds of different stuff like that so they have bars and all kinds of stuff so they're just kind of like a health food and supplement um brand and they're based out of germany but they're slowly moving around, so they're going to be hopefully coming to a store near you at some point. 
So how would somebody like, can you order it? Like I was trying to look online to find out more. I actually don't know. I know that they're, there's, they've been setting up North American distribution for a while and it's kind of, they had, they had to get uh, their products tested by some other governing body just to make sure that they could distribute in North America. So that's been holding them up for a little bit, but it's supposed to be finishing up reasonably soon and they'll be able to ship to Canada and the U S hopefully in like a month or two. But um, it's been a process. Cool. I'm but guessing you. I'm guessing you finish on the podium three years in a row. You got sponsors knocking down your door. I, you know, you got <laughs> people going, "Hey, man, we want you to rep this, wear this, talk about that." Like, it, am I dreaming? Is that or is that is that a real reality? Do you do you have sponsors tracking you down all the time? Uh, there's lots of interesting opportunities for sure. I think you have to be, you definitely have to start being pickier with what you want to attach yourself to and, and, uh, agree to, but there's lots of interesting, like one-off stuff that comes up where like a mattress company contacts you and they're like, <laughs> Hey, we want to give you a mattress for like whatever, like post on your Instagram. And like, there's some cool stuff like that that you can just sort of do occasionally, but there's definitely a lot of opportunities, but it's it's, it's important to be careful because um, like, yeah, everything looks great, but you have to kind of try to predict what's going to happen in the crossover world and, and know your worth a little bit. So I, I'm working with a manager who knows this space more than I do and has the time to deal with it. Uh, I, between my training and my school, I don't have a lot of time to invest into like, reading over all my contracts offers and making sure that things are the way I want them to be. So I rely on other people to help me with that a little bit at this point. Smart. Great way to do it. But there's definitely some cool stuff that you can do. Uh, so I'm very fortunate to be in the position that I'm in. I mean, I've, wor- I've worked pretty hard, but it's also very fortunate. I keep telling Alana, like, listen, this podcast is going to go huge. Oh, We're God. on episode nine. We have Patrick <laughs> Vellner. I keep saying, hey, sponsors are going to be rolling in soon enough. Mm. So, but she, I, I think I hear a knock on the door right now. No, <laughs> she wait, keeps telling no. me I'm full of shit and crazy. <laughs> but anyway, we'll keep we'll keep pushing. And we'll see what we can do. Yeah. No. Keep dreaming, baby. Nah, one day. You never know. <laughs> you never be know. the next Joe Rogan. There you go. Yeah. That's where that's where we're headed for sure. Well, I'm looking at this. Um, is it Instagram? It must be Instagram. It's Instagram. You had an Instagram post of you, like a throwback to your younger years, where you were. I think you called yourself a weenie, <laughs> which my kids are on calling everything. What a weenie! I don't know what it is oh, about the word weenie. Right. Anyways, eleven and nine-year-old boys. Um, is that the gymnastics one. That was yeah, the gymnastics from one. Three. And so we've got our oldest is a redhead. Right. Um, like again, tiny little redhead with like big sports aspirations. And so I might be like, Hey, look, that is what Patrick Fellner looked like one time, a long time ago. So keep those sports dreams alive. Yeah, that's right. Little, little, little skinny redheaded baby. (laughs) Absolutely. It gets better. We will. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. (laughs) We'll hope that it does for all, all of our sakes. Right. (laughs) That's good. Awesome, Patrick. Well, listen, we want to really thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. Um, we wish you all the best of luck when all of the changes kind of and the dust settles from uh, from what's going to happen in 2019. Mm-hmm. Go out, represent Canada well. Um, you have done an amazing job to this point, you and Brent both. Um, we certainly um, appreciate 
what you guys do and how you represent the country um, on an on a, on a international stage. Uh, it's really cool. We're behind you 100%. Knowing that your mom's from Dartmouth, we're behind you even more now. <laughs> um, so that's pretty cool. Um, but thanks a lot for taking the time to, to chat with us today. We, uh, we hope to talk to you again in the future. It's my pleasure. Thanks a lot. Take care. And we're back. Uh, so hope you guys enjoyed that interview. Uh, it was, uh, again, it was a great experience for us. Thanks, Patrick, uh, if you're listening. I um, hope, you, hope you enjoyed uh, having a chat with us. And, uh, yeah. you know, it, we'll, we'll hope to do it again sometime in the future. Yeah. But now that we have a connection, if we're ever like, hey, we're in Montreal yeah. or Toronto or, totally. you know. Or if I have an injury and I'm like, hey, I need some chiropractic opinion, I might, yeah. uh, even though, hey, uh, oh, no offense, Chuck. Uh, we, Speaking you know. <laughs> of super smart, yeah, exactly. cute, funny, there you go. whatever. We I'm talked done. about him last week, too. Yeah. I, did. So. I forgot to tell him that. I should tell him. He should listen to the podcast. I think he'd enjoy it. You haven't told a person about the podcast? I haven't told a single coworker about the podcast. Right. Yeah, but we, uh, we like to keep our yeah, personal absolutely. lives separate from our work lives. So I don't want, yeah, I, yeah. I don't ever cross. I, I'm never going to tell anybody I work it, with that I have a podcast. Yeah. If they discover it, if they're following, you know, if they, mm-hmm. if they see something that I post out on social media, whatever, I don't care. But mm-hmm. I'm not going to make a big announcement. Hey everybody, I'm, I got a podcast. Right. right? Yeah. Cause no. my persona at work is way different than my persona here. Mm, um, a little bit. Maybe. I don't curse and swear at work. And, I don't know. That sort of thing. Hopefully but, not. No, I don't. Okay, that's good. Sure. Um, so, cool connection. His mom's from Dartmouth. Oh yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that's cool. That's so neat. when when we, when he kind of, towards the end of our conversation, that kind of came up, and I was just like, oh, that's amazing. So, mm-hmm. when I was trying to work some things out, we had a few issues with the uh, the the audio at the end of mm-hmm. it. I had to send him a quick note and just say, hey Pat, it didn't work. Can you download it to your computer? forwarded off to me and then he said oh and by the way if you're ever in your mom's old stomping ground feel free stop by you know uh, have a workout with us Mm -hmm. Um, we'd love to you know get our asses kicked and you know just stand there in awe of his abilities yeah oh could you imagine if he came to the box that would be awesome so pat if you're ever in halifax Mm -hmm. hook us up call Mm -hmm. us we'll uh we'll hang out so let's uh let's roll right in um to our segment that we like to call what the hell is wrong with people So, uh, this one goes out to all of the parents out there who do a shitty job of making their kids stop acting like fucking animals when you're in public places. Okay? Mm -hmm. So, we're sitting at the BMO um, hockey rink here locally, sitting there trying to enjoy the experience of watching our son uh, play hockey in his tryouts. Mm -hmm. And, And, I mean, enjoy. And also, like, tryouts is something that you're a little more, like, focused on and you're really just trying to pay attention and you know people aren't normally loud like no one is screaming and cheering and all that stuff like you're really just you're focused when your kid is out there and you want to pay attention to what's going on so these three fucking and my apologies three girls this was three girls in this case a lot of the times it tends to be boys who are loud and boisterous and no you know over the top anyway it's totally these three girls were acting like animals dragging mm-hmm. each other around on the floor pulling each other off of chairs screaming the, vo- yelling. the volume was the issue the volume was frustrating and in my left ear 
an like <laughs> you I, know I, I've had enough when I'm like getting passive aggressive I'm like oh my god if these oh no kids and, don't and I was hearing you shut the hell up so the mom who was sitting only one chair over from you chances are she heard you but literally just like okay the fact that you have the ability to completely ignore your kids and you don't hear mm-hmm. them isn't that's that's not free reign for them to just that's do whatever great the in your own house yeah absolutely right like you have to have that skill as yes. a mom as a parent, you know, I'm really great at kind of tuning that stuff up. out in certain situations, yeah. but I would never in a million years in public around other people ever let my kids, no. like you let kids be kids, yeah. but as soon as it's to a level that's, they were like wild animals. They were dragging chairs around and unfortunately oh those, God, chairs those chairs at the BMO are just, that, right. oh, they're just like chalk, uh, fingers on a chalkboard. Maybe that was the thing that snapped that part of my brain that forgot how to use my telephone. <laughs> yeah. And two weeks earlier, even, um, there was, uh, there were, we were at, a, I was at another, uh, tryout and there was now this one, this little girl was two, maybe. But she was using the chair as a push machine. Oh. So she was just... If you know these chairs, the, oh it's God. like the loud... You can't even move them an inch without it being the loudest, oh, most annoying. It's crazy. Like, put some little slidey pads or something. And the oh parents my God. weren't telling this little no. two-year-old to stop doing it. And they were just sitting there. They were staring in the window, watching their kid mm-hmm. play hockey. And I, and, and I wasn't the only one. There were mm-hmm. like three or four people that just kept looking over at her going... Mm-hmm. Oh my God, will you please stop your child from doing that? So parents, public service announcement. If you are sitting at a rink, if you are in a public space and your kids are just being kids, but being it at a level of like 50 decibels, tell them to shut the hell up. No, Lower don't do down. that. Lower it, but... Eh, well, you don't have to keep, be rude Keep to them, them in check, even if they're not your kids. I know, like, like I almost feel if... Like, I don't mind if other people kind of set my kids straight if they're doing something totally. that's not right. Yep. So, like, I really was, like, an and inch away from just being like, girls. Do you mind? We're trying to watch. Right? Yep. Like, not to the mom. Mm-hmm. Because that's never going to go well. But to be like, girls, no, we're just, not. we're trying to watch over here. And it's super loud, like, right in my ear. Yep. If you wouldn't mind just bringing it down a tiny bit. And but, I think the instigator, and I think the reason why that particular mom did not handle it is because I think the main instigator of the loudness and the and the over-the-topness mm-hmm. was not her child. Uh, well, her child was involved, for sure, and was still loud and doing all that stuff. But still. it, was, it was, she wasn't the instigator, and so therefore she felt as though, well, maybe I can't say something to this kid. No, but, there should be an unwritten anyway. parent code that if, if you're a parent and you see this happening, even if it's not your child, and you're respectful and never in any way, like, right. don't put your hand on a kid, don't do anything that's kind of weird, or, but yeah. to be respectful, like, I kids listen to people that aren't their parents, right? Right, absolutely, so, and so, the, and, and, and even, I don't think you were there, actually, it was before no, you I got to, I don't think I was there. Before you got to the rink the other night, too, there was another kid, mm-hmm. older kid, uh, I'm gonna say he was probably, Maybe even our boy, our oldest boy's age, so okay. 10, 11, right. something like that. And he, standing behind me, and some kid, some one of his buddies said something, mm-hmm. and in a very loud, overbearing, booming voice, he goes, what the hell are you talking about? Shut up. Oh, the kid and the I, other night who said to the other, to the little boy, all you heard was like, Jesus Christ, Johnny, yeah, did you hear that? Totally. And it was a little bit funny, 
but also highly inappropriate Absolutely. for a kid that and, and age. And that kid, uh, the one I was talking about, I turned around bit funny, and I though. watched him walk away. A little bit funny. <laughs> if he had turned and looked at me, I would have said something. Because everybody there kind of went, what did he just say? And I was going to be the Most of the people were snickering something. a little bit under their breath sure. because it was a little bit funny. It was. Um, and you should never be that person to say anything because you don't have the filter. (laughs) (laughs) Just come to me and be like, that kid needs to be (laughs) told something and I will go do that. I never do it in a nice way. (laughs) No, it's, I don't know what it is, but it never, I I know you hear the words in your head, but when it comes out, it's not good. So no, don't do that. We don't need to be banned from the BMO. That's true. I'll let you handle it in Mm -hmm. the future for sure. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, anything else that we want to hit people with? No, I don't think so. I, I, yeah, no, it's just been kind of same old, same old, except for you know, chatting with our buddy Patrick. Absolutely. Um, yeah, no, that's kind of all I got right now. I'm like we're spent. Spent. I'm a like a puddle. I'm a mess. We'll stop wasting your time, folks. Uh, No, I'm just kidding. So uh, this is where we'll end it. Uh, Please, if you will. Uh, go subscribe uh, to our podcast on any podcast uh, listening platform that you use. We are hosted on Anchor, um, so Anchor is the uh, the program that we use. Uh, download the Anchor app. Um, it allows you to leave us voice messages. Um, you just search up Night and Day Podcast, and then there's a button there that you can just leave a voicemail, um, voice message. It's kind of cool. We can, in, we can incorporate that in the show. Uh, we'd love to hear your feedback. Um, Please leave us uh, a review. Um, we'd love to hear or see some more. Um, we're still sitting at eight. So, hey, all those people out there who give us all the likes on Facebook and Instagram, go over to iTunes and give us a give us a review. Maybe, five maybe five stars we'll only. talk about the reviews next week. Next yeah, sure. We'll, t- we'll, we'll read a couple of reviews. Because you can kind of thank the people who do, the re- like do a shout out to totally. those people. Totally. See what I did there? Yeah. said shout out. I saw that. Um, but they've been nice enough to leave us a review so 100%. we can mention it, right? All and we need is a couple of a couple of lines. I'm, that's just assuming they're all positive. I, I don't know. They're all five stars. You read them we to me. We are a five-star podcast. Okay. That's pretty impressive. That's good. Yep. I don't want your one stars. If you got one stars, don't leave them. Send me an email and tell me I suck, but don't leave them on my on iTunes. Oh, why? Because that that does something. Absolutely, we want five stars. The more you, the, the more positive reviews you get, the more chances you get at, at being featured. So they could leave us a voicemail giving us some constructive sure. criticism. They can send us an email to nightanddaypodcast at gmail How come some of them are night and day, and then some of them are night day? That's just our handle. Our handle is Night Day Podcast on everything. Why isn't it Night on and Facebook? Day? I don't know, because it's because it's long and it's easier to do Night Day Podcasts. That seems anyway, weird. Whatever. Who cares? Why? Why are you questioning this? You question me every fucking <laughs> week about how I handle the social media stuff. Don't I'm just, question it's me. A, it's We're a doing legitimate okay. Question. We're, that's Night, okay. Co- contact us at Night and Day or search us up on This Is Night Day. Like it just seemed, I would have been consistent all the way through. And if you've got night, day in there. Because you're anal like that and you need to have it, you know, everything. Like marketing 101 though, right? No, it's not. Consistent. You're good. Messaging. They can search up, they can search us up as night and day podcast and they'll find us. Let's be honest. Nobody's searching us up. Let's be honest. You don't really (laughs) care. So why are you saying anything? I'm just here for a good time. I know. And the wine. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, we should mention this wine actually. Because it's a Canadian wine, which I'm not. Like the last time we enjoyed a Canadian wine. No, I shouldn't say that. Sand Hill, the small lots. Yeah, what do you like? There you go. Um, but if you're in like our area, 
HRM area. It's one of the previews for the wine show from the Niagara region. You're looking at me like, I don't know. Am I speaking English? No. Am I I dialing my calculator again? I'm not. I'm not (laughs) drinking the wine, so I have no clue where you're going with this. It's called Burnt Ship Bay. There you go. It's a Cab Merlot from uh, the Niagara region. Uh, But... Yeah, like so for usually Canadian wines, you got to go pretty pricey in order yeah. for it to be good. This was eighteen. Um, it was like eighteen ninety nine. Mm, perfect. And it was delicious. Awesome. So. Give it a shot, folks. Yeah. Um, so look us up on all the socials, Night Day Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, yeah, leave us some feedback. Uh, send us your what the hell is wrong with people uh, suggestions as well. Uh, we'd love to not be the ones that always have to come up with the, all the complaints, but um, we'd like to hear from you. Um, Again, leave us the reviews. Um, yeah, that's it. Is it nugget time? Uh, or am I supposed to wait until we go deuces? I don't know. What do you want? Because that's do? like the very, very end. Yeah. The credits is kind of like Are you still listening, people? Are you still listening? Because <laughs> if, if you're still listening, if you are, if you are, got a treat. Okay, let's, let, let's 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 end it on a high note. Hit them with the nugget. Hit them with the nugget. So for anyone who wasn't listening last week, the nugget is going to be like a little hidden thing, like at the end of the previews. Um, the people who sit around in the theater and wait because they're like, there's going to be something at the end. And then if there is, it's like, yay. But there's not always something at the end. So we're not going to tell you. Right. And there may not always be a nugget because I can't be, you know, I can't be. Let's be honest where it came from. Alana busts my ass constantly about, why do you tell them about, send us emails and right. I said, nobody's this. listening. As soon as you as go into your spiel, go into that, everybody they shuts click it off. off. Yeah. So okay. the people who don't. If you're not shutting it off, you tell me. No, they're going to, because they're going to find this funny they're and make a comment. The and then we're going to know I that they're you. listening after. There you go. Got it. Perfect. So, go. Um, you're going to roll your eyes a million uh, yeah, times. So yes. I've got, I love animals, <clears throat> but I have issues with a couple animals. So one being horses. I've had two interactions with horses and both of them went terribly wrong. And then there's other animals I don't like. So in the car the other day, I played out this whole scenario in my head for whatever reason. And then at the end, I'm like, wow, it's really random. But these are things that I feel like I could, I could be like, writing like little skits or do i'm not sure what i should do with all this stuff truthfully she thinks she's really funny no but and this may not even be funny but it was a train of thought that i had and then after it i'm like i should write that down anywho so if horses smell fear like they say that right that is a thing like the seventh year stretch or (laughs) no seventh seventh and eighth stretch seven year itch holy shit okay (laughs) <laughs> so if horses smell fear, do pigeons smell distrust? So if a horse smells fear and you come near it, <laughs> you already can't handle this. They know, and it's bad news. So when I walk down Spring Garden Road, if anyone's walked down with me, <clears throat> and you have PJ, and you can bear witness to this, pigeons will fly up into my face. <laughs> into her face into is my a face. huge Stretch. Even if I look like six Huge meters stretch. away, you've seen it happen. I've seen they them fly, fly at me. I've seen them fly up in the air. You <laughs> no. you happen to continue to keep on walking. No, they so fly. as they're going up. Okay, you're walking. Is this into your them. nugget or mine? This is my train of this thought. This is here. your nugget. I Please hold it. all comments and questions. <laughs> I will until keep the my end. McNugget until later. So, anytime I walk down, <laughs> they do. So this is my thing. I think pigeons smell distrust because. They are distrust, very distrustworthy, not trustworthy, distrustful. 
So if you're uh, speaking of Spring Garden Road, if you sit down on Spring Garden Road with your like chip truck fries or whatever, you're not going to set them next to a pigeon because the Why? pigeon is going to steal it. Oh right? Yes. Uh, distrust. Because they're. Are you? This is my thing here. This it. is my nugget. I I'm playing this out. Yes, I you, hear you. I have not cast you yet in this world. So <laughs> okay. you're not going to. I'm not going to go to like, oh, I got to tie my shoe. Here, pigeon, hold this $20 bill. No, because the pigeon's going to fly away with that $20 bill. Even though, what the shit is a pigeon <laughs> going to do with a $20 bill? He can't go buy anything with that 20 <laughs> If a pigeon comes up to me and tries to give me a 20 I'm not taking it. I'm not going to take a pigeon 20 Like, No. There's something wrong with that money if a pigeon <laughs> comes up to me with a $20 bill, right? Uh, Distrust. Okay. In that movie, Bolt, the, that Disney movie with the dog, what did they cast those pigeons as? Mobsters. Very distrustworthy creatures. Distrust. They, dis, I don't know. <laughs> They're untrusting. Untrustworthy. There you go. Untrustworthy? Untrustworthy. They're not worthy of my trust. There That's for sure. Got it. Um, home alone. I'm sorry, but if you're in a dark wooded area and a vagabond lady starts summoning pigeons, you need to get the fuck out <laughs> of that wooded area. Distrust. Uh, Horses shit. smell fear. Pigeons yes. smell distrust. And scene. That's the end of my... But this all played out in my head, and I thought, you know what? You could make something from that. that is, that's like a tiny... That might be an eight-second bit in a one-hour comedy set. I'm not sure. But someday, someday, I'm telling you, I really feel a creative need to like, you know, uh, 30 Rock. Like, I feel like I could have been a contributor to that show. Lauren Michaels, if you're listening to this podcast, please reach out to us. Mm -hmm. uh, Nightanddaypodcast at gmail.com and say, hey, Alana, we want you to be a head writer. But don't you think that people who think that way on their own for no particular reason, who come up with a stream like that, I feel like I listen. I've said it a hundred times before. You are creative when you write. I've seen all mm-hmm. kinds of things that you've written. You never ever put it out to anybody. But it starts you're in like, your head, right? So totally. I feel like, yeah. you know, maybe stand up. I don't know. Maybe I'll try that someday. Probably not. I don't like people very much, so it's probably not the thing for me. Stand up in front of a group of people and be terrible. But ask the boys from Monkey Sword Fight. They have gone all gone up and done some stand up. Oh really? Yeah, they've done. Oh, it. yeah, that's interesting. Jordan, Jordan, and Andy for sure. I don't know if Mikey Dots has, but uh, but yeah. But they have accents that that helps. Like I would, I would listen to people with accents just because, right? They can get away with a lot of things. Yeah, I'm not sure I could. But anywho, that was just that's my nugget. And who knows? Hopefully, I'll have another one. But you'll just have to listen to the very stinking brutal end of all of that. Don't shut it off. (laughs) All right. Till next time, folks. See you later. Deuces. Night and day.